Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus. Yes, Jesus Christ is alive. He rose from the dead and that day, that Easter Sunday morning, that first Easter, when Mary and Mary Magdalene and Salome went to the grave expecting to anoint a dead body. They saw the angel sitting there and they said, where is Jesus? The angel said, he is not here, he is risen. I submit to you tonight that that's the greatest news the world has ever heard. He is not here. He has conquered the grave. He's alive. And ladies and gentlemen, I believe that there's more proof that Jesus Christ rose from the dead than almost any other fact in Roman history. I don't believe there's a fact in ancient history today so well proven as the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But even if there was no proof, no historical proof, no scientific proof, and there is, I would still believe it because I believe this book is God's inspired word and the whole early church went up and down the country preaching the resurrection of Jesus Christ. That was the thing that shook the Roman Empire, that a man had risen from the dead, that he was alive, that death could not hold him. Christ is alive. He's a living Savior. Come on, amen. Christ is alive, amen. Come on, we're going to enjoy a great time studying the Word today. Before I do, just want to again say a massive congratulations to uh, those of you who gave your life to Jesus and got water baptized. Um, You know, I I won't call you out, but a few of you uh, just in the last three or four weeks gave your heart to Christ at the end of our service and and got water baptized today. And I just thought that was so fantastic, you know. I was talking with Harrison. Harrison invited a friend of his, gave his life to the Lord. And I just said, Harrison, this is why we're here. We're here just to invite people to, to a relationship with Jesus Christ and to, to make disciples. And really, that's, our, that's it. So, you know, Ryan, what's your vision? That's it. That's the vision. Reach as many people as we can for Christ. Make disciples. People have great relationships with marriages and partnerships together and, and reach the city and, you know, help the disenfranchised and the hurting. Make disciples. Reach lost people. Make disciples. Reach lost people. I think that's pretty exciting. When you see a life transformed and changed forever and now an entire lineage of people, he'll marry a follower of Christ and they'll have children that follow Christ and their grandchildren will follow Christ and their great-grandchildren will follow Christ all because of one invitation to church. Wow, that's pretty amazing. So it was super cool to be there today and enjoy that. Um, If you're visiting with us today, I'd love to meet you. My name's Ryan. My wife, Stephanie, was the beautiful... I was a little distracted during worship because she was here. So it's a little hard for me to like... I didn't want to like call her out because, you know, the whole team did a great job. (laughs) But I was highly focused on one particular girl. And uh, I got to tell you, I wasn't worshiping very well today. I was staring at you. So there you go. So I lay you down before the feet of Jesus, honey. You're an idol of my life. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> just kidding. 
Come on. Well, we've been in a series uh, called Unstoppable Church, and we're going to start a series in a couple weeks called Matters of the Heart. And we're going to be looking at uh, really our values as a church. And these values are really important because they represent who we are. It's one thing to have a mission, one thing to have a vision, but who you are is what really matters. And so we're going to be talking about who we are as a church. And we really, our heart in this is that you would adopt these values for your own life because we believe that if you're a part of our church and a part of our groups and a part of what God's doing in our church, that the heart would be that you would, you would uh, embody these these values in your own life and see uh, really what God's been doing in our hearts and our lives and in your life as well. And so the Matters of the Heart is going to be an amazing series. We start on September 13th along with our big uh, neighborhood launch. You won't want to miss it right after the service. We're going to have, uh, you know, bouncy house games. We're going to have uh, a food truck and free food and free cupcakes, all COVID friendly, wrapped in their individual stuff, all sorts of good drinks and it'll be games and a raffle prize. We're inviting the whole community, music. It's going to be awesome. And I'm going to do a special dance for you. No, I'm kidding. No dancing. Unless you'd like to, but come on. Unstoppable Church. So we've been in this series for, this will be our ninth week, and we've been looking at the early church and studying the book of Acts and really trying to understand what made this early church so unstoppable. And if the early church was unstoppable, you're unstoppable because you and I are the church. And so we want to understand what this early church looked like. And we use different words to define uh, who they were. And so we use the word bold, and we use the word rested, and we use the word uh, uh, together and devoted and supernatural and all sorts of great words. You can go back and listen. But today, our word is aligned. Our word is aligned. The unstoppable church was, uh, was aligned they, because their life was shaped by their firm belief in life after death, and it changed the way that they lived their lives. And their focus was heaven being their home, and it framed how they aligned their life, how they aligned their priorities, how they aligned their parenting, how they aligned their, 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 their marriages and their finances. Everything in these followers of Jesus' life was focused around this foundational reality that this planet is not my home. I am simply a vagabond. I am simply passing through that heaven is ultimately my home, that Jesus Christ is my focus, and that he has prepared a place for me when when I die one day, I continue to live. Amen. The early church believed that I might physically die, but I will never die. And it framed their entire existence. It framed their entire world. It framed their entire thinking. And, and today, my hope would be is that you'd be encouraged to consider this for your own life. And, you know, these early church folks accepted Christ in their lives as the Messiah and they accepted him as the king of kings and the Lord of lords. And they, uh, they kind of did away with the religious uh, ideas of the Jewish law. And they began to follow after Christ and the royal law of loving the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and loving your neighbors yourself was their driving force and everything that they did. But this, these people began to experience tremendous persecution in their lives. They, these people were being pulled out of their homes and they were being beaten and they were, things were being stolen from them and they were being vandalized and mocked and persecuted. And these people, People, just like the video we watched a few moments ago about the, the Chinese church, they were being murdered for their faith and all because of their commitment to follow after Jesus Christ, all because they made a personal decision that I'm going to be a true disciple of Jesus. Because of the message of the gospel, they began to experience incredible persecution. On the outside, they were being impacted, but on the inside, they were experiencing tremendous joy and favor from God and they were rested and they were full of the power of God and they were full of life. And yes, the, the realities 
difficulties of, of persecution, experiencing the difficulties of life, yes, those things impacted them emotionally. And yes, it, they, they felt the weight and the grief of these things happening. But ultimately, they submitted their soul and their emotions to their spirit person, to God in their lives, and knew that even though these things are happening to me, even though I'm being killed and we're being uh, stole, stolen from and we're being mocked and murdered, there is nothing that can stop us because we believe that there is a, heaven is my home. This earth is not my home. This is just temporary. That is eternal. And Jesus Christ is my focus. Are you here this morning? That was their driving force of the foundation. And they believed that they would spend an eternity with God. They believed in heaven. They believed in hell. And it was their heart to believe that I'm going to spend an eternity with God when I die physically in this planet. Forty years later, after the church started, the church began to stray a little bit from the foundational realities, the very simple thing, which is our heartbeat here, just to keep it simple. I won't call you stupid, but I say keep it simple, stupid, but you're not stupid. I'm talking to myself, okay? I got to keep it simple because sometimes we overcomplicate the gospel of Jesus Christ and we'll make it about all sorts of things when it's not about that at all. It's just about Jesus Christ, Christ crucified, buried in the grave, rose on the third day, appeared to men. Holy Spirit came down. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and love your neighbor as yourself. Boom, there you go. That's the gospel of Jesus Christ. Are you here? You want more religious stuff? Because I can throw that at you if you want. Come on, this gospel message of Jesus Christ impacted these guys so much, but over time, they begin to overcomplicate it. And Paul began to write these letters to these different churches saying, hey guys, you're overcomplicating what this means to be a follower of Jesus Christ. One of the, specifically wrote to the church of Laodicea in the, in the book of Colossians. And he wrote in the book of Colossians in chapter 2, he was just trying to align them, to get them back aligned, to believe that, that heaven is not your home, guys. This is just temporary. Yes, you should be a good steward of your family. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying go and be crazies. I'm saying, that, yes, you should value what God's given you. You should value your family and be a good steward of your finances. And yes, you should pursue fruitfulness in your life. And yes, it's, all these things are good. You know, having a beautiful home and wanting to drive a, a car that doesn't break it down every 10 seconds and, you know, wanting to live a blessed life. There's nothing wrong with that. That's all good. But what he was telling those people is that, listen, you got to remember that even though you're supposed to enjoy the world you live in, squeeze out every moment of joy from this world, the reality is that this is just a temporary place for us. Life is but a mist. It's a beginning and an end. And the scope of eternity, if this whole room was eternity, our life on this, our world and our life is about this much. And so what he's trying to correct them, and he comes to Colossians chapter 2, verses 2 and verses 8. And he says this uh, to, the, to the Colossian church. He says this, See to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and the elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. He says it again, another translation, don't let others spoil your faith and joy with their philosophies, their wrong and shallow answers built on men's thoughts and ideas. Instead, only focus on what Christ said. Don't focus on these different ideas that these were being taught in the church. Several other things, three different ideas. The first idea was they were being um, actually condemned. These followers of Jesus were being condemned because they no longer went to all the, 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 the feasts and they no longer did all these, these different things and all these Jewish laws, these mosaic, mosaic laws. They never did those things anymore because they, they began to follow Christ and they no longer had to be submitted to the Mosaic law. They were now submitted to the law, which is Christ. Christ fulfilled the law and so they had to live their lives for Jesus. So they were 
getting mad at them because why aren't you praying and fasting more? And why aren't you going to these festivals? And why aren't you doing these things? Why are you touching that? Why are you drinking that? Why are you doing this? And they were being held accountable by these very religious people. And Paul was saying, no, 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 no. Listen, that's all been fulfilled in Christ. You just need to follow after Jesus, be obedient to the Holy Spirit and love other people. There was other people who were saying that you actually don't need to really, really have God in your life because you actually have everything that you need inside of you to really conquer this life. It's called, you know, positive reinforcement, positive thinking. Yes, positive thinking is good. But what the teaching was is that, listen, you actually don't need an out external force. You have everything that you need inside of you to live this fulfilled life that you have. You actually don't need God. Then there was all sorts of other philosophies that were teaching this idea that there's no, there's no afterlife. There's, there's no heaven. There's no hell. You basically live this life. You go big. You go home for tomorrow. We die. It's over. Black lights out. It's finished. It's done. This was the teaching that was going through the church. And these people begin to idea that the earth and the possessions of the earth and the realities of this earth were more important than the life that was to come. And Paul came to them and said, guys, listen, you need to focus on what Jesus taught. What did Jesus teach? In John chapter 11, verse 25, he said, Jesus told her, I am the resurrection and the life. Are you here this morning? Come on, come on I'm going to say it again. I want to say, come on, if you like, if you like that verse, say amen. amen. I am the resurrection and the life. Anyone who believes in me will live even after dying. Everyone who lives in me and believes in me. Look at this. Jesus says, you'll never die. Now, if you knew you were never going to die, don't you think your life will look a little different? Don't you think we might take a more faith step for God when he says, go do this? You think, oh man, I'm really nervous about that. Listen, I got you, man. You got an afterlife, a heaven to live for. Listen, anyone who believes in me, you're never going to die. That's a crazy radical thought. When you and I die from this earth physically, the scripture here says, Jesus taught this, that you will continue to live after dying. See, this is what Jesus taught. That while you're on this planet, you have to recognize you've been given a bodily form and you've been given function and you've been given destiny and purpose. And I think we should squeeze the God out of every moment of our life, even on those nasty, snowy days that are coming in nine weeks. Oh, I'm so sorry. Even those days that are coming, we have to remember that we are called to be stewards of the life that God has given us. We want to have the best life that God's given us. Yes, external circumstances might suck and things might not be going very well and things not be hard, but the external doesn't impact us. What's going on on the inside? We are experiencing tremendous oh, supernatural peace and joy and satisfaction and fulfillment and confidence and security. Even though my outside world is terrible, my inside world is going great. Why? Because I recognize that what happens to me is temporal, but my internal is eternal. Come on, we recognize that these disciples, these followers of Jesus knew that while I live on this earth, I'm going to enjoy it, but I will die one day physically. But guess what? I will never die because Jesus conquered the grave. <laughs> I will live forever. And Paul continues, Colossians 3.1, Therefore, if you have been raised with Christ to new life, sharing in his resurrection from the dead, 
If you've been water baptized into the name of Jesus Christ, if you made a personal confession that I'm going to be a disciple, I'm not just going to be a Christian, which wasn't even a term that Christians called each other in the Bible. Christian was a term, actually a derogatory term used to make fun of them. <laughs> it wasn't a term they used. They called each other disciples, followers of Jesus. If you've chosen to be a follower and a disciple of Jesus Christ and to give your entire life to him, the scripture here says that you've gone and, and be water baptized and you're engaged in this walk with Christ. He says, Keep seeking the things that are above. For Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind and keep focused habitually on the things above, the heavenly things, not on the things that are on the earth, which have only temporal value. For you died to this world and your new real life is hidden with Christ and God. And when Christ, who is our life, appears, when you, uh, when you, then you also will appear with him in glory. He says, come on, if you're a follower of Jesus Christ, you've got to recognize that this is not your home, that this is temporal. And we have to habitually and constantly focus our attention, align our sights, align our focus and our motivation on God. Now, here's the challenge is a lot of times on this earth, there's a lot of good intentions and a lot of good things we do. We've got, you know, families and we've got businesses and we've got nonprofits and we've got careers and we give our money and all those things are good. Don't hear me wrong. Those things are awesome. We do all these really, really good things, but often we're focused on doing good things in our life when we, ask, we have to stop and ask ourselves the question, is God the focus of those good things? Has our motivation been focused on eternal heaven, God's kingdom, on, on Jesus, or has it been focused on my idea of what a good life looks like so that I can enjoy this temporal world? We have to live as heaven as our home. Look what Jesus says in Matthew 6. But continuously seek diligently, that's what that word means, diligently, singly focused, continuously diligently, singly focus first on God's kingdom. You know, first in the Greek is first. (laughs) (laughs) Numero uno. First. Ah, but don't miss the best, not the best part, but the exciting part, I think. It says this, and all these things will be given to you as well. If you aim for heaven, you're going to get earth. If you aim for earth, you're going to lose both. See, we get to live a life where I don't have to be afraid anymore. I don't got to worry about anything anymore. Why? Because Jesus is my king and he's created a place for me and my real inheritance is in heaven. This is just a dim light, just a dim puzzling picture of the realities of what God's world has for me. Like this is not even anything compared to what God has for us. The future, what God has prepared for us is far greater, but we have to understand something that this is a gift from God to live on this planet, but this world is only temporal. So we have to align our sights. And so look what Paul says. He says this. Since you've been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven. Now, when I think about the word sight, I, when I was living in a small town uh, in Centralia, Washington, I had a friend named Levi. He's probably watching right now. Hey, Levi. And Levi uh, was a, was a, was a co- you know, country boy with lots of guns. <laughs> 
And I had never shot a gun before, and he wanted me to shoot this big caliber rifle with a scope on it. And it was one of those big guns. He had to get up on his truck, his pickup truck, and we, uh, you know, big bullets like this large or something like that, you know, like mortars or whatever, you know, anyways. He would be shooting all of his guns. and says, do you want to shoot this? And so I got up and said, sure. And he goes, look at the target. And I had this gun. I had this big scope. And I thought, well, I can, of course I can hit this target. It's a huge gun. It's a huge scope. Boom, I'm going to get it. Watch this, bro. And I put it, the little scope down there, and I looked right down at it. It was aimed right at that target. I thought, oh, here we go. Let's do this. And I stepped back and went, boom, like that. It was just a huge kick. I mean, it was even farther. It knocked me backwards. And I came up, and I was, like, below the target. And I said, bro, I was aimed right at the target. He says, Ryan, even though it looks like you're aimed at the target, you've got to calibrate your sights correctly. You've got to adjust the scope so that it, the, the little reticle, like here, is it, it, you've got to move this little aim so that it lines up with what you're aiming at. So even though your aim is good, and even though it feels like what you're pursuing is good, is the focus Christ? Is the focus heaven? We've got to recalibrate our thinking, recalibrate our motivation to make sure that we are not investing our natural life into things that are good, but maybe not God. And as we look down that focus of our life, as we set our sights on heaven and not the things below, but set the things on above, the Bible teaches all throughout that you put your life on heaven, you're going to save your life. You put your life on heaven, you're going to experience the blessings that you've been searching for, the, the, the restoration in your marriage and the partnership in your life and the, the, the help in the areas of sin in your life or where you've been feeling discouragement or depression or anxiety. If you put your sights on heaven and keep your focus God and keep your focus heaven, guess what happens? God takes care of you in this world. We're going to set our sights, but the challenge is a lot of times we have so many things going on in our life that we have a hard time calibrating our heart's motivation. Have you ever seen a, 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 a lion tamer go into the cage with a lion? And he's got a gun on his hip. He's got a whip. I would think he'd have both out for this untamed lion who is the king of the jungle, a, row, a loud roar, mighty and powerful, and yet his greatest asset is a four-legged stool. And as he walks in here, if you've ever seen it, he goes like this in this four-leg stool. I need to keep working out. That's kind of heavy. <laughs> four-leg stool. And he's, he's pushing back the lion and the lion's stepping back. And here's this mighty powerful animal who, had, before he got in the cage, was prowling around with confidence and security. And he's like, rah, look at me. I'm a man of God. I'm a man of faith. I'm a woman of God. I'm a woman of faith. But the moment these Four little, little areas come in. What happens is, is that this lion gets a paralysis because it's trying to focus on all four of these leg pegs and it can't. And so as the lion's trying to focus on all of these different things that are pushed into its face, challenges in its life, or sickness in your body, or financial difficulty, or marriage struggle, or depression, or discouragement, they're thrusted into your face, and you're trying to figure it out. The lion actually gets a form of paralysis and becomes weak like a little cat. This little cat lays down, and he can master this mighty animal with simply a four-footed stool. 
That's like us sometimes. We got finances and we got jobs and we got school and we've got worry and anxiety and COVID and riots and you know, all these different things that are going on. And we got our own personal stuff. And we got our mother-in-law, hallelujah. Come on, I'm just kidding. I love my mother-in-law. We got all sorts of things going on in our life and they're being shoved into our face and it causes somewhat of a spiritual paralysis where we used to have strong faith and we used to believe in God and we used to go forward. But now our mind is only focused on the things of this world. Our focus is only on the challenges that we're facing. Our focus is only on the fact that we don't know what's next. Our focus is only on the fact that, man, I don't know how I'm going to pay my bills. Our focus is, man, I'm feeling lonely and I want to be in a relationship. Our focus is that all these things that I have overwhelmed in my life, and I want to tell you the gospel of Jesus Christ for you today, the word of freedom for you today, get your eyes off of earth and set your sights on heaven and set your sights on Christ. That's when he gives you wisdom. That's when he gives you grace. That's when he gives you joy. That's when he gives you hope. That's when he gives you the ability to look at everything that you're going through and you get the perspective of heaven. You begin to live for this otherworldly reality where we are no longer impacted like a mighty lion by a stool, but we look past it and we see our creator God, our savior, our King Jesus. And we recognize that this life we live, this is not our home. We actually see this all throughout scripture. Jewish Christian uh, uh, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, mighty man of God, was hanged in front of the Nazis. And as they put the noose around his neck to hang him, hang him simply for his confession of faith in Jesus Christ. As they hung him, about to hang him, he prayed this prayer. He said this out loud. Oh God, this is the end, but for me, it is just the beginning. If we look in Hebrews chapter 11, it says this, these men of faith I've mentioned died without ever receiving all that God had promised them, but they saw it all awaiting them on ahead and were glad, for they agreed that this earth was not their home, but that they were just strangers visiting down here. And quite obviously, when it, they talked like that, they were looking forward to their real home in heaven. If they had wanted to, they could have gone back to the good things of this world, but they didn't want to. They were living for heaven. And now God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has made a heavenly city for them. He continues in Hebrews chapter 11. He says this, how much more do I need to say it? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and all the prophets. And by faith, these people overthrew kingdoms and ruled with justice and received what God had promised them. And they shut the mouth of lions and quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. And their weakness was turned to strength and they became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. And women received their loved ones back again from the dead. But others were tortured, refusing to turn from God in order to be set free. They placed their hope in a better life after the resurrection. If you read in the book, Mere Christianity, C.S. Lewis says this, if you read history, you will find out that the Christians who did most for the present world were just those who thought most of the next. The apostles themselves, who set on foot the conversion of the Roman Empire, the great men who built up the Middle Ages, the English evangelicals who abolished the slave trade, all left their mark on earth precisely because their minds were occupied with heaven. 
It is since Christians have largely ceased to think of the other world that they have become so ineffective in this. Aim at heaven and you'll get the earth thrown in. Aim at earth and you will get neither. Come on, this was the heartbeat. This was the mindset. This was the perspective of every early Christian. And this was the defining thing that made them unstoppable, that nothing in this life will stop me from serving Jesus because this life is just temporary. You can hurt me. You can take my job away. You can abuse me. You can do all these things, which I don't invite and don't want. (laughs) But when these things happen in my life, when my life falls apart, when things aren't going well, I have to remember that this is just temporary. That my true life is in heaven. And as we end our time together, I want to read this last verse. And the reason I want to read this verse is because I just want to remind you today, maybe you're a new follower of Christ. Maybe you're not a follower of Christ. Maybe you've been a long-term follower of Christ. It's a great reminder today that the things that are going on in your life, they have value because God gave them to you. But I want you to know God is in control. He is sovereign over your life. He gifts you and gives you his blessings in your life. And he does that because he loves you, not because you deserve it, because he loves you. But the life he's given us here is but a moment. Look what he says in this verse in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Let me reveal to you a wonderful secret. We will not all die, but we will all be transformed. It will happen in a moment. In the blink of an eye, when the last trumpet is blown, For when the trumpet sounds, those who've died will be raised to live forever. And we who are living will also be transformed. For our dying bodies must be transformed into the bodies that will never die. And our mortal bodies must be transformed into immortal bodies. And then when our dying bodies have been transformed into bodies that will never die, the scripture will be fulfilled. Death is swallowed up in victory. O death, where is your victory? O death, where is your sting? For sin is the sting that results in death. And the law, it gives sin its power. But thank God, he gives us victory over sin and death through our Lord Jesus Christ. Now look what Paul says after saying all this. So my dear brothers and sisters, be strong, be unstoppable, be immovable. Always work enthusiastically for the Lord, for you know that nothing you do for the Lord is ever useless. Be strong, people. Be immovable. Nothing can stop us. Nothing can get us. Why? We are sons and daughters of the Most High God. We are chosen by Jesus Christ. We are called according to his purposes. No matter what this world throws at you, no matter what weapon is formed against you, it will not prosper in your life. He turns all things to good to those who love him and are called according to his purposes. So I don't know what's going on in your life today, but it's just temporary if I walk outside today, God forbid, and something terrible happened to me, I would be ready. Want to know why? Because I've recognized the secret. I believe I'm not perfect at it, but I believe I've found this secret to life. Last week, I called it the secret sauce. That God has given each of you the gift of life, the gift of breath. He's given you the gift of being on this planet. He's given you a gift of living in Canada. 
Some of us might have nicer homes than other people or nicer cars. But I thank God we got a car, got a home. Thank God we can put food in our mouths. Thank God he's blessed us, amen. God has blessed our lives. And so he says this, be a great steward of what I've given you and enjoy the heck out of it. But when life tries to kick you in the butt and life tries to attack you and the enemy tries to conspire against you, when everything around you seems like it's falling apart, you and I can have security and hope and confidence knowing that this is just temporary. My true home is in heaven. Jesus Christ has a plan for my life. He causes all things to work to good of those who love him. He's not for, he's for me, not against me, that I am the head and not the tail, that no matter what comes against me, I am full of faith and full of power and full of rest and full of joy and full of peace. Why? Because I am not focused on what happens on this planet. I am only focused on the sights of heaven, on the realities of heaven, knowing that that is my true home. That I am not a citizen of this earth. I am a citizen of heaven. I'm not a Canadian citizen or a U.S. citizen or a whatever citizen. I am now a citizen in allegiance to my King Jesus. When you start thinking like that, you might have a little bit of a different perspective on your problems, on your finances, on your pursuits on your promotions, on your new stuff, on your new relationships. You might have a fresh perspective on your life and you might have a heavenly God perspective when you start realizing God is the one who gives you these gifts. And when you face these hardships in your life, you say, well, God, did God do this? No, listen, God's a good God and he only gives good gifts. But we live in a fallen world and guess what he does? In his gracious faithfulness, he comes into this gift that this world has given you and he turns it for good. And the reason I can understand that is because my sights are in heaven. Would you stand to your feet this morning as I end? Just close your eyes for a moment. Every week we like to ask a couple questions and just so that you can have a bit of privacy. Just for a moment, close your eyes. I just feel today we always ask two questions. The first question is, you're here today and you don't know Christ. You don't have a relationship with him. Every week, somebody's been giving their lives to Jesus Christ. It's so amazing. I can't fully see everybody in the room, but you're here today and you want to make a commitment to serve Christ with your life today and you want to experience never dying. <laughs> Not only that, but you want to experience an abundant life on this planet. You're here today and you'd like to give your life to Jesus. Would you just put your hand in the air? Is there anybody here that doesn't know Jesus that would like to give their life to him today? Come on. I'm loving seeing people give their lives to Jesus every week and it's so great to see them give their life to Christ. Come on, Father, right now, I just pray for everyone in the room. Lord, life is not easy sometimes, God. We admit today that, Lord, our emotions can sometimes overwhelm us. Sometimes our mind can play tricks on us <laughs> and we start to assume that Maybe our life, maybe we got a bad deck of cards. Maybe we were broken. <laughs> maybe we're the ugly duckling of the bunch. <laughs> Sometimes, God, life just feels like it's not going in our favor. But Father, today we're reminded that, Lord, you have a great plan for our lives. I pray for every person in this room today, no matter what they're facing, no matter what situation they're in, no matter what they're experiencing today, God, Holy Spirit, I pray that today you would help them to recalibrate their heart's motivation to be set on heaven. 
Yes, to enjoy the life you've given us, but God, to never forget that this is just temporary. This is just a moment. This comes and it goes in just a, a heartbeat. So God, I pray today, God, that they would focus their attention on you and heaven and the life you prepared for us in heaven. And that God, that we trust that Lord, you're gonna continue to bless your children because you are a good God and you give good gifts. Thank you for listening to our Love City Church podcast. Visit us online at www.lovecitychurch.ca. We pray that this message encourages you and strengthens you in your walk with Jesus.